they are very proud like just like my dad as well like he is a very proud dad like at one point he was very much upset very much frustrated i saw him crying for the very first time when he got to know that i dropped out but now he is a very proud dad actually he himself is an entrepreneur he has created his own small company with my sister you are listening to the sure shot entrepreneur a podcast for founders with ambitious ideas venture capital investors and other early believers tell you relatable insightful and authentic stories to help you realize your vision welcome to the sure shot entrepreneur my guest today is vikrant shaurya vikrant is the ceo and founder of this publishing company called bestsellingbook.com He's a prolific entrepreneur who has taken the story behind the process of publishing a book and supported many entrepreneurs, many authors to tell their stories to the world. We're going to talk to him about early believers who supported him in his journey and how he plays that role with others in the world. Vikrant, welcome to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. Thank you so much Gopi for having me. We're really looking forward for our conversation today. Tell me about yourself starting with where you are you are in Pune right in India Yeah I'm in Pune in India from the last 3 and 1/2 years I'm here before Pune I was in New Delhi for 9 years but my hometown is in Patna Oh very interesting so you've been in multiple different places in India How did your childhood shape your outlook for the world My father used to be in military so we used to get posted every 3 years in different cities different states So I think I have been to more than 7 or 8 states including Gujarat, Jammu, uh, Lucknow and then Patna, then Delhi, then now of course I'm in Pune. Talking about my childhood, almost everyone in my family members, my relatives, you know like in India like we really appreciate government jobs. So they used to also think that either I'm going to be an engineer or a doctor or a government employee because in india like back the definition then, of success uh, yeah. when you have stable salary definitely and especially 10 years ago it was very concrete now of course things are changing but yeah initially people used to just think that if you are not a doctor or engineer or a government employee you are just a failure so yeah this was the initial feed i used to get from my parents from my relatives they used to ask me do you want to become a doctor or engineer okay i'll become a doctor because doctors sounded more cool than engineer <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can relate to this now growing up in india the ultimate definition of success is to get a very steady job earn a salary and make life predictable entrepreneurship is for people who can't do that who fail at getting a job and they yeah. can't be employed anywhere they have no choice but to start a company right. that was the only path but now i think a lot of things have changed entrepreneurship is a path for people to build their career and i'm glad that it's becoming more and more prevalent but it's still a long way to go before it becomes more mainstream like a career of an engineer or a doctor where did you find your early supporters who were the early supporters for you in your journey I think my journey started when I was in college but let me tell you exactly how I ended up being into an engineering college when initially in the childhood I used to say that I'll become a doctor so just because all of my friends they were taking admission in engineering college when my dad asked me when I just passed high school and he asked me okay what do you want to become in your life I told him that okay I'll become an engineer <laughs> 
I didn't want to sound dumb in front of him. But the only reason I told him that I'll become an engineer because almost all of my friends, they were taking ambition in engineering colleges. So he thought that I'm serious about engineering and my life. So he sold his land and got my ambition in an engineering college in nearby Delhi. There's a place called Greater Noida, which belongs to Delhi NCR. And here I was completely different life. By this time, I used to just live under my parents. And of course, every time they used to just tell me what to do, what not to do, when to come at home and when to go outside. But now I was completely free. I had no one to check in on with me that exactly was happening. Of course, my parents used to call me every day. But yeah, I used to just hang around with friends. I used to hate college lectures because, of course, everything like was extremely theoretical and I'm kind of a practical guy. So I used to find it very, very boring. But I used to go in college library. I used to read a lot of self-help books over there instead of reading the textbook. And then I one day I found this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It completely changed my perception about finances, life, and career. So What happened? How did it change your perspective? So it looks like you got the support of an uncle who helped you enroll into an engineering college, but you didn't really like studying theoretical things. You were more of a practical guy who you wanted to build things. And this book that you read changed your perspective and gave you a new path for the future. How did that happen? You know, like, of course, we were discussing about uh, the traditional path in India, either go become a doctor, engineer, or a government employee, having a steady income. But now this book is talking exactly opposite than the traditional route. Mm. Now this book is talking about, hey, become an entrepreneur. So they have this kind of a quadrant, which they talk about. In first quadrant, it is employee. The second is self-employed. The third is entrepreneur. And the fourth is investor. Mm. And the rich dad of this book, he talks about why being in the last two quadrants, entrepreneurs and investors can really give you massive ROI in your life and in your career. And it completely changed the way I used to think about my career, about one of the biggest decisions, of course, initially, because I was just 17, 18 at that time. And the very same day when, of course, when I saw that quadrant and I read that book, I just dropped out of the college. I decided, okay, this is not for me. I'm going to do something of my own. And uh, this time I had nothing. I had no idea, no revenue, no money in my bank account. I, I believe I just had maybe a few bucks, a few thousand rupees. Did so, you know what business you were going to start? No, actually, I had no idea. All of my seniors, my friends, they used to laugh on me. They used to also, some of my seniors, like seniors who used to care for me. They used to advise that at least complete your engineering. There's two and a half years left. You should complete your engineering. And I used to say, if I know that this is not for me, this is not going to be the path I'm going to be pursuing, why I'll be wasting another two and a half years of my life? So I ended up dropping out of the college. And uh, I think it took me around two or three months to get a business idea. I took some loans from my friends, my relatives, my seniors, started a company, hired a bunch of employees, made a lot of mistakes. And within six months, I completely ran out of money. I had no money to pay my employees, no money to run the business. So I had to shut down the company. We're going a little fast. I'm really curious. I want to slow down and ask you how you convinced the early people to support you and invest in your business. 
What was the story that uh, resonated with them? First of all, let me tell you that I dropped out of the college and for the next six to seven months, I, I had no courage to tell my parents that I've already left the college. Mm. You were in stealth mode. Yeah, of course, I was in stealth mode. And at the same time, I didn't know exactly how they would be reacting because they thought that I'm serious about injuring. <laughs> and uh, they sold their land to got me in this college. And then I'm suddenly I've just dropped out. I didn't know. I, I thought that I'll be having some good money in my bank account and then I'll went back to my hometown and show it to them. Hey, like, this is what I'm doing now and they'll be happy. And completely opposite thing happened. <laughs> I had now around $3,000 or something in debt at that time. So I had some of my seniors like who were having some good packages. They really supported me well. These were college seniors who graduated and... yes. Yeah. They received job offers. Yeah. So now they were salaried employees, so they were able to support you. Yeah. And not a lot because, of course, I didn't take money just from one person. I got money from seven or eight people. Some of them were my friends. Like I took maybe just 5,000 rupees, 10,000 rupees from some of them. Was from someone, like I took maybe 20,000 rupees, 25,000 rupees. But eventually I had no money to pay my employees. So yeah, like six months happened and now I'm back to zero. Actually, I was in negative. Wow, that is a rough start indeed. Now, looking back, would you still go through that path? Would you drop out of school and start a business? It looks like the first business taught you a lot of lessons, but it wasn't a success in terms of economic outcome. Is that path still advisable? Would you have chosen that path now if you had a chance to do it again? I think if I were have to given the same circumstance and same amount of experience, same amount of knowledge and same amount of wisdom, I would be doing the exactly same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I really don't have any regret. I'm really happy that I took the decision, even though I know that it failed and I had a very terrible situation. My dad used to not talk to me for one and a half years when he got to know that I've dropped out. So it was a very difficult situation. But that kind of decision actually for an 18-year kid, I believe that that in itself is a very huge accomplishment. Nowadays, I'm seeing that kids, they don't take responsibilities of their life or their career. They want a very simple answer. Hey, can you please ask me, okay, is this business idea good? Should I pursue this career? Should I pursue that career? They haven't explored themselves yet. And yeah, they just don't want to fail. But initially, like if you are very young, you have at least a few years, maybe three or four years at least. And you have that privilege that you can fail for a few years. You can have so much of roadblocks in your life and still somehow you will be in a good state. But if you'll just ask for someone else's advice and completely follow it without using your own brain, I don't think it's going to be making you a very intelligent or human being with a good experience because you are just working based on someone else's experience. So this is what I believe and what I have seen. That fear of failure prevents people from discovering who they are, what their strengths are. And they fall into this routine of following other people's suggestions and ideas and go down that path and they eventually get lost in that. The true expression of who we are doesn't come out until we go through that journey by ourselves. And kudos to you for embracing that quite early in your life. I think it took me many more years for me to get to that point and take that leap of faith and be more bold about these decisions. It's actually delightful to hear that you did that in your late teens. 
How did publishing come into your journey? Yeah. How did you decide that publishing is the path for you? This situation happened. Like my, my first business failed and I had no money to pay my rent. I was living in a single room apartment in New Delhi. I think I didn't pay rent for three or four months. My landlord used to call me every day asking me for rent, electricity bill. So you, you had a landlord chasing you for yes, rent? Of course. Okay. And uh, this feels like was, a movie. <laughs> and he was a humble guy, like very cooperative. But imagine like I'm not paying him for three or four months. And somehow I was able to convince him that, hey, please give me one month. I'll pay next month, next month, next month. Then three or four months happened. So now he was losing hope in me. I couldn't ask money from my parents. How I came into publishing is I had a broken laptop which had no, you know, like there's a ventilator fan inside laptop. Mm -hmm. uh, it was completely broken. So when I used to type on it, like my fingers used to burn like anything. And I battery was completely gone. So the moment the electricity is gone, my laptop is gone. Not even for one second, it's going to survive. So this is kind of a situation I was in. So I used to have one container in which I used to fill out or pour water. And then I used to keep my laptop on the container so that it could not become so much heated. And I used to like with a 2G internet speed and a broken laptop, I used to search online how to make money online. And uh, then I discovered self-publishing. This was my first introduction to publishing. And initially I had no idea that after maybe seven years or eight years, I'll be having a publishing company. My goal was to just pay rent and pay my electricity and get food. And then, of course, I got to know that, okay, with writing book and publishing book, I can make some money. I can make some, get some royalties incomes. And let me tell you that I used to get lowest grades in English subject. So English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the plot is thickening here. Uh, <laughs> you decided to go into publishing while writing and reading and literature was not your strength. Yes, that's the fact, actually. But now I can't give excuse to myself. When your landlord is calling you every day, you just can't give excuse to yourself that, hey, I can't write, I can't read. So somehow I just locked myself. And my first book, I was able to write it in 21 days. What was the name of your first book? It was written in a, under my pen name. The book was about real estate. And uh, the book's title was 19 Days to Sell Your House. And uh, I just want to add a disclaimer over here that now I have unpublished that book. But if you will search that book on Google, 19 Days to Sell Your House, you will find maybe the book cover and maybe you'll find some good reads, reviews. Like I, I get really good reviews back then on my book. and. Also, I wanted to add one more disclaimer that I had no idea about real estate, no idea about selling houses, but somehow like I realized like initially I didn't know that I had this skill set, but now I know this, that I can take some complex information and I can make it very simplified. So there were tens of thousands and millions of articles about how to sell house. But what I did is I made it into very structured format like 19 days to sell your house. So what you have to do on day one, day two, till day 19, and then by day 19, you'll be able to sell your house. 
You won't believe it. I guess four or five months after I published that book, I also received a thank you message from a reader saying that he was able to sell his house using the book. So, so you I take would, complicated topics, break it down into pieces, and you develop a step-by-step approach to solving that problem. You take something very intimidating and you make a practical solution that people can follow. And that was the lesson that you learned by publishing this book about selling a house. And you took that lesson and you kind of turned it into a factory. So you can help (laughs) other authors who are attempting to do similar things where they want to demystify their world. Mm. And now you are giving them a voice so they can share their insights and perspectives with the world much more easily by helping them publish their books. Exactly. So that was the genesis of Book Factory. So yeah, I was able to write this book in 21 days, but it was very badly written. Back then, my girlfriend, who used to be very, very good in academics, we used to be classmates. She was able to do the proofreading and editing of the book. She was somehow able to make it published ready. By the way, now she is my wife. Uh, So... This is a real movie here. here. <laughs> you enlisted your uh, girlfriend to support you in your early entrepreneurial journey. And now she's your wife. Yeah. So she was a big time supporter. Like almost mm. everyone, everyone in my life lose hope in me at one point. Mm. But she was the only one standing with me. Her parents were very much adamant. They came to my house for, I guess, two times and they rejected me two times. No, we are never going to marry you with this guy. <laughs> but Because you don't have a job and you don't have a salary? I didn't have a job. And back then, I, I also... And you're had, not an engineer or a doctor? No. Yeah, that was also the reason. At the same time, I had nothing to show him. Like I was just living in a single room apartment. And landlords chasing you. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, but finally, after three and a half years of struggle, they got convinced and uh, they allowed her. But yeah, by this time, like the, the last time when they came to meet me, I was earning some money. I was earning some good money. I had to show them income statement. Like I had to show them passbook. I had to show them my income report. Then they got convinced, okay, this guy is doing fine. Let's send our daughter to this person. But yeah, she... Wow. So you showed them your bank statements to prove that you are actually doing something with your life. Yeah, because initially they thought that this guy is doing some kind of a scam and he's going to be in prison one maybe today or <laughs> And uh, our daughter is going to be in trouble if we'll just marry her with, with this guy. What do they think now that you are a world famous published <laughs> best-selling author? They are very proud, like just like my dad as well. Like he is a very proud dad. Like at one point he was very much upset, very much frustrated. I saw him crying for the very first time when he got to know that I've dropped out. But now he's a very proud dad. Actually, he himself is an entrepreneur. He has created his own small company with my sister. So it's kind of a happy ending over there. But yeah, my in-laws are also very, very happy. And they make me feel like I'm a son, another son to, to them. So it's a really, really good. Now they're, of course, cool with me. (laughs) (laughs) What an amazing, happy ending to the story. Tell me about bestsellingbook.com. What does it do? Yeah, so what we do, we simply help entrepreneurs, coaches, and thought leaders, people who are really busy, who don't have the time, don't have the skill set to write a book, people who are just like me, who don't have the skill set, or they're super busy, they don't have the time. We help them turn their book idea into best-selling book in just six months. Even when they hate writing, they don't have to write even a single word. 
we have systemized this entire book writing, editing, designing, publishing, and marketing process. And they, they just come to us. They share their book idea with us. We interview them. We write the book for them in their authentic voice. And we do all kind of services like editing, proofreading, cover designing, ISPN number, book formatting, publishing, distribution, marketing. We make it a bestseller. Guaranteed. Otherwise, we defund three times their investment. So this is what we do currently in bestsellingbook.com. How much time do you want them to spend with you in the early stages? Now, how many hours of interview do you go through to get the book idea flushed out? So specifically with the book writing, they have to give us 10 to 12 hours. So in 10 to 12 hours, we can scrape almost 80 to 90% of their ideas from their head. And eventually then comes the revision part. Like we provide unlimited revisions, but maximum 15 hours and we can turn their book ideas or the thoughts, vision, experience, expertise they have in their mind into a well-written manuscript. This is very interesting. Each one of us can talk about something interesting that we have done. We can easily talk for 10 hours on that topic. Yeah. And if There's at least one book in each one of us, uh, mm. if not more. The intimidating thing about publishing a book is that it immediately feels like, oh my God, I need to be articulate. I need to have mm. ideas very clearly thought through and mm. I need to sit down and write and I'm not a good writer and I've never written books before. So the first book is always a challenge. Even yeah. subsequent books are a challenge. Mm. You are kind of making it easy for them to overcome that challenge, embrace their dream of ever publishing a book, perhaps even inducing their dream that they could publish a book. And you're making it so simple that they just need to sit down and talk to you for 10 hours. Actually, we got two clients this month who have already written and published their book themselves. And just because they know how difficult the entire process is, that's why we wanted to hire some professional to do this thing. And it took them three, four years, five years to write their first book. And they know that with us, it's going to be just three to four months to write the book. So those people who have followed the journey know those who are going to be writing the book for the first time really need the service. Because for the time, energy and effort they are putting in sitting down writing the book, it's not worth it for them. You have helped hundreds of authors over the years, and you have turned into that early believer that you had when you started your own journey. It's great to see that you're in, in some ways giving back to the world. So Vikrant, in your view, how do entrepreneurs contribute to the society? So I think there are three ways they are contributing to the society. The first thing is they're solving a problem which this society has. Sometimes people who are living in the society, they don't know about that problem. For example, initially, people didn't know that they need fire. But then fire came and suddenly people know and realize that, oh, how were we surviving without fire? And then wheels came. And then people used to think that, oh, how you were able to survive without wheels? So entrepreneurship is very much about problem solving. And the first type of contribution is you are actually helping someone making their life or business very, very easy. The second thing which you are doing is you are contributing to the people who are working in your organization. Initially, I, I didn't think that way. But when I started working with so many people, like now we have, I guess, 30, 35 people working full time. And there are so many interns as well. So we have around 40, 50 people every day. Along with that, we have thousands of writers and editors who work with us as a contract basis. So after working with these people, I realized that we are not only, of course, they are contributing to us with their time and energy and effort. But at the same time, the money which we give or the salary which we give to them 
it is also helping them, helping their family and helping them get food, helping them get education for their children. So it's a kind of a snowball effect which you're having. So uh, let me share with you one incident. We have some employees in Philippines. And in December, a very terrible typhoon came into Philippines and so many cities got demolished and destroyed by that. And we had a few employees who got affected, very, very badly affected. There was no electricity. There was um, water all around them. And they were not able to also get drinking water and food for themselves. So myself and our CEO decided that. So one person got really affected by that. Eventually, she was also pregnant. It was a very difficult situation for her. So after talking to our CEO, we decided that let's buy a generator for her so that she can have at least electricity and some water supply at her home. Normally, the generator over there is $200. But just because of the situation, they were charging two times, like $400, $500, sometimes more for generator. But yeah, we paid for that. And she was able to get generator and she was able to survive well. So what you are doing is you are not only helping a person after taking them as an employee, you are really taking care of the entire family, their education, their, their social system. So I have a very great amount of gratitude because the thing which I'm doing, I'm able to really help people in this way. So this is the second level of contribution. The third level of contribution is if you are doing the right kind of entrepreneurship and going in the right direction, you will be having a sense of wisdom. You will be having clarity in your mind, which can not only going to be help you, but also going to be help people around you. If someone is going to come to you, you'll be able to properly guide them because now you have faced so many challenges. And that's the reason you are also able to provide good level of guidance to people around you, which is also kind of a helping the community and society around you. Vikrant, this is incredibly insightful. You have shared your personal journey. A lot of insights that probably haven't shared elsewhere. It's a real life perspective in your reflections on what entrepreneurship means at the community level and at a personal level is very powerful. Thanks a lot for sharing your nuggets of wisdom and sharing your stories with me. I look forward to sharing your nuggets of wisdom with the world. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gopi. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed listening to real life stories about early believers supporting ambitious entrepreneurs. Please subscribe to the podcast and post a review. Your comments will help other entrepreneurs find this podcast. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.